This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, on assignment live from New Orleans, Louisiana, the site of WrestleMania 34. And joining with me uh, on the phone, my co-host, Dan Murphy. How are you? I am uh, podcasting live from uh, my bedroom, uh, still in bed, still trying to recover after a long night of WrestleMania, a very too long night of uh of, of WrestleMania. It yeah, well, that's better night. than me. I'm, I'm recording from the bathroom of my hotel room uh, in the Sheridan Metairie where my wife and kids are uh, snoring and sleeping in the ne- next room. So this is make for the nice. best background. So, uh, but yes, indeed, uh, a long day and uh, a long few days with everything going on. Um, we will jump uh, right into it. Just to get the quick uh, plug out of the way, pwi-online.com. Everything that we're doing, we're talking about, uh, going to be part of our uh, annual WrestleMania coverage. Um, the latest issue, with uh, which is kind of the pre-WrestleMania issue that has Dan's uh, feature on stars who uh, never competed at WrestleMania, and you might have thought did, and stars that you might have forgotten that competed at, at WrestleMania, uh, and a lot more. A fantastic issue uh, is in the, the current issue that just came out, and... Uh, in several weeks, we're going to be putting it together just here in the next few days. will be our post-WrestleMania uh, issue that's going to include uh, Dan's uh, winners and losers, real winners and losers. And I imagine yeah. some of what we're talking about here will will be part of that. Um, again, pwi-online.com. Uh, subscribe, by the one issue, uh, whatever you like. Uh, but please uh, go check us out and follow us on Twitter at OfficialPWI. I did a little bit of live tweeting from the show, um, but some other guys, I think Brady, uh, helped a lot um, as well, our buddy Brady Hex. so thank you to him. Um, all right, let's jump uh, right into it, uh, Dan. I remember last year, uh, you know, our roles were kind of reversed. You were over in Orlando for WrestleMania, and I think our perspectives were, were very different, one of us watching from home, one of us being there in person. I wonder if that's going to be the case uh, this year. I'll say, overall, I thought a very strong WrestleMania that... Um, in some ways, it was kind of more than the sum of its parts, because if you uh, match by match, with few exceptions, I don't think there was a lot that kind of like, you know, blew the doors off or anything like that. It would, you know, there were a lot of uh, good matches, some very good ones, some maybe mediocre. Um, but I think as an overall presentation over seven hours, um, it was really strong, Um I don't think it it dra- you know it it went that seven hours uh, or nearly seven hours. Um, I didn't ex- exactly keep uh, track, uh, but I think it moved at a better pace, a better clip than last year. For the most part, didn't drag until maybe the last hour, half hour, forty five minutes. Um, certainly, the live crowd may be getting uh, a little restless, but I think some of the reaction there in in uh, certainly the last match had less to do with how long it was going on and more to do with some of the personalities. Uh, and this is just a problem that isn't going away and hasn't gone away for, for years and years when you talk about um, who were the, the real showcase top stars in WWE. Um, but as a whole, I thought a very memorable, very good WrestleMania, the, the best in several years. What did you think? 
I thought it was, I thought it was very good. Um, I, I agree with that. I disagree on the pacing. I thought that it was just really, really slow. And again, I think that's the difference that the, when you're there live, the atmosphere carries you through it. And it, it just seems, you know, hotter when you're watching it by yourself or, or, you know, watching it at home, whatever the case may be, it tends to drag and, and just get a little bit more tedious. And the video highlight packages, they're great. I mean, they're, they're as good as, as they get. The WWE is top notch, but you really don't need one for every match that goes like seven or eight minutes, you know, of just hype, hype, hype. Just, just get the match out there. Um, yeah. I think that there were some great matches. I think it started off on fire with that inter- the uh, intercontinental title match, uh, the women's match, the Asuka Charlotte match. I mean, everything was, was firing on all cylinders. Uh, went down a little bit with the U.S. title match, and I know we'll go through match by match. Um, I, I think that the the really the, the Undertaker John Cena match kind of um, being what it was, it was just a little confusing. It's not what anyone expected. And I think that that really derailed a lot of the momentum, uh, especially after the uh, Ronda Rousey match, which was terrific. Uh, so I, I think there were some hot spots and then it slowed down. And by the end of the night, it was just, it was a, a slog to get through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, overall, I would, I would give it passing grades and give it very good grades for a, a WrestleMania event. Um, just, uh, it needed an editor, you know, cut it down a little bit and, uh, you know, save some of that stuff for Monday night. It, it's tough because I mean, I just don't see them going back to the days of, uh, the four hour WrestleManias or even five hour WrestleManias. And it's sort of hard for me to figure out how they would, because, uh, yes, you could, you know, uh, tighten it up a little bit with a video package here and there, but, um, you know, there weren't any backstage interviews, or overly long non-match uh, segments like we've seen in past years where they'll have, you know, The Rock come out or Steve Austin and, and, and cut a promo for 20 minutes. It really moved from match to match to match to match to match. Um, for the most part, uh, I think the matches were, were pretty reasonable in length. If anything, a few of them I thought were too short. Um, and I think it's just a product of trying to get everybody on the show. Uh, and and uh, you know and not wanting to just throw everybody in the battle royal and some people still a lot of people still got thrown in battle royal but trying to give um, every uh, their their top people their featured acts um, matches that meant something that were the culmination of storylines uh, and and it's hard to do that uh, with that many people in much less I mean maybe you could get it to six hours but I don't know if you can get it to much less than that. Uh, so, and, and I'm, and you're right, maybe being there live, um, I thought it might be worse because last year watching it from home, seven hours, uh, plus whatever it was, I'm able to get up, go to the bathroom, go pop something in the microwave, take a break, um, that kind of thing. Being there, you know, I was at my seat for, for seven hours basically, uh, but for a few short WrestleMania, uh, bathroom breaks. And, um, you know, it, it moves along, you know, I, I, for the most part, I wasn't like bored or anything like that. Maybe a match here or two, um, lost my attention somewhat. Um, want to talk a, a bit about sort of the, everything else that goes into, to WrestleMania, the production value, um, the, the, the venue, the stadium. Um, I thought all that was really top notch. Uh, they, they tried some new production techniques, uh, this year. Some worked better than others. Um, 
they, they had some of the, the computer enhanced graphics that, that would show up just for um, TV, like Asuka's mask floating around and some other stuff. That was hit or miss. Some of that seemed a little too gimmicky, you know, um, yeah, like, like a Snapchat kind of thing. Uh, but other things were really cool. You know, they, they, they did a lot with lasers this year and lasers in the ring that spun around, kind of made a circle and some neat uh, camera tricks. I thought that was really cool. Um, How did it look uh, with the Undertaker match where there's the, the lightning strikes that they showed on the TV? It was uh, there. Did you catch any of that in the building? Yeah, yeah totally. And was- uh, I mean, I've got to wonder. That said, you know, I was in, in kind of the vantage point where um, wa- watching the screen – as much, if not more, than than the ring. So looking back, I'd have to think whether you know that I see that in person or that I see that on the screen on top of the of the ring. But I feel like I saw it in person, um, and uh, I thought that worked pretty well. Uh, and and again, no Kid Rock singing or anything like that. Some of that stuff that really kind of tends to drag. Uh, the place looked great. Uh, the, the the crowd looked huge. The lighting, the colors, the ramp. I I thought all of that was really top notch, uh, really good. Um, so let's jump in the matches. Uh, we'll kind of go in reverse order. Uh, the I guess you'd call it the main event. It went on last. We expected that it would. The Universal Championship match: Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Pretty clearly, the the live crowd was not into this. Um, unfairly so, I, I say to to some extent. Uh, this was not a bad match, and yet you had all these fans chanting, this is awful, and being distracted by beach balls, and and um, kind of the, the really disrespectful chants that you get, uh, certainly the night after WrestleMania on Raw, it makes me worried what, what we're in for um, tonight. Uh, but it wasn't a bad match. That said, you know, we just talked a few days ago about how, um, so, so this isn't like a hindsight 2020 thing. These acts feel stale, and I think more than anything, that's what this is a reflection of. And if you look at the entire lineup, um, in in just about every match, there was at least one, if not more than one, act that uh, was was pretty over as a babyface, as a heel. Everything from from Daniel Bryan to Alexa Bliss to the Bludgeon Brothers, you know, there the, you could look at an, uh, every match and find an act that you know. Fans were, were invested in one way or the other. And I felt with both these guys, it was just like, meh, we've seen this. It's, you know, you literally saw this match a few years back at WrestleMania. And it's just two guys who are very kind of lukewarm right now. So, uh, you know, I think they worked really hard. You know, there was blood. This was a real kind of smash mouth style match. But at the end of the day, I don't think fans really cared because on one hand, you've got this part-timer who there's all kinds of indications that he is not long for WWE. Uh, that could have been his last match for all we know and Brock Lesnar. And then you got Roman Reigns and what can you say about Roman Reigns? I mean, it's just been this experiment over the last few years that um, at best has gotten some real kind of marginal results um, and not the kind of guy that with, with the kind of, uh, uh, you know, investment by fans that you can close a WrestleMania with, uh, and and fans are either distraught that he came up short, like we've seen with other fan, other, other baby faces the fans have connected with over the years, or you put the belt on him and it's this huge celebration. And so what you got was again two guys who um, fans are not that into. The heel goes over, so there's no no semblance of a celebration. Whenever you put a heel over at the end of WrestleMania, it's a bit of a downer. 
Um, so yeah, that's why I think that this just didn't work in that slot. Yeah, uh, agreed for all those reasons. Um, now there, there's Roman Reigns has now been in the last match, the main event of WrestleMania for the past four years, and he's still not over. I mean, he, he's still not getting that fan reaction that, that McMahon and WWE, the front office wants. He's not the rock. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's, he's not stone cold. He's John Cena without the charisma. Uh, and I mean, and not as a knock to John Cena, but John Cena has always been this divisive character, especially over WrestleMania, you know, 40% of the people to 60% sometimes will, will be booing him. And that's just how it's always been. Uh, John Cena has managed to somehow make it work for him and has had a Hall of Fame incredible career. Uh, Roman, WWE is trying and trying and trying, but it's just not its just not clicking. Now, I think the fans were, I think, again, fatigue is part of it. I think that, you know, uh, it's been a long show. It seemed like it also was a foregone conclusion. Everyone's been reporting about how Brock's heading back to UFC. its It's been, you know speculated that this is his last WWE match. Everybody just kind of figured, okay, Roman Superman's his way through the match, takes F5 after F5 after F5 after F5, and eventually comes back to win. When he didn't, it was kind of a cool moment. I'm glad. I, I thought that there was a bit of a, a pop when, when Lesnar won because it was unexpected. Um, but by that point, uh, I think, like you said, on the, the pay-per-view broadcast or the network broadcast, you didn't see the beach balls, but you heard the crowd reacting to something. And when you looked at the people, they were all looking into the distance. You know, everyone hard camera side was not paying attention to the ring. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's death. This is the main event of WrestleMania, and you can't keep people's attention. I mean, that's, that's really, really an indictment, especially of your baby face, because it's the baby face's job to make people care and be emotionally invested in their match. And Roman Reigns just was not doing that. Um, the match itself I thought was fun because it was kind of a car crash and the intensity that Brock bit brings is completely unmatched. Nobody else has anything like that. Lesnar still manages to imbue everything with a big match feel, except his matches now are, it's three moves. You know, it's Lesnar was former NCAA champion. He, he's a great wrestler. I mean, you tend to forget that from his first run in WWE you know, shooting star press notwithstanding, uh, he, he botched it at that WrestleMania against Kurt Angle, but he used to use regularly uh, early on and especially in, in Ohio Valley Wrestling. But he was also a master of takedowns and, and had some great matches. And now it's just, you know, throw a couple suplexes, F5, and, and that's it. And when you've just got one guy throwing a running punch and the other guy throwing suplexes for like 18 minutes, yeah. it's like, come on. I mean, yeah. it's it's... There's, there's nothing to the match. Uh, the finish, or close to the finish, the blood, that's the thing that's kind of... I'm an old-fashioned wrestling fan. I, I appreciate the Crimson Mask. I appreciate the use of blood. It's, it's kind of a novelty now. It's, it's almost, it's, it is outlawed, but, you know, unless a special occasion. But I really don't like the way Lesnar opens somebody up with those, those elbow smashes. Um, because there's just no control. And we saw with Randy Orton, I think he had to get, what, nine staples or yeah. something like that after SummerSlam. Um, I don't know how bad uh, Reigns was, was busted open, but that blood was pouring out of him. And it, I, I don't think it's, it's just not necessary. It's not, yeah. it's not adding anything to the match. It, it was and, hard from my vantage point to see how that happened. So it was some, some elbows, looked like, that opened him up. Yeah, 
it, the exact same thing as with Randy Orton. It was those those uh, you know knife edge elbow strikes to the head. I think the third one may have been the the money uh, the money one. Yeah. But what what really got that was um, I think what they were trying to do was just build sympathy for Roman Reigns. Like he's done all this, he's done so much. Yeah. He, he's a bloody mess, but he, he wouldn't quit. He just couldn't get the job done. And I'm thinking like in the comparison being the Bret Hart. Uh, Steve Austin mm-hmm. double turn at WrestleMania where Austin bleeding doesn't quit, but passes off from the pain, loses the match becomes kind of a rallying point. The thing, the, the huge difference with that is that Austin already had this underswell of, of popularity. He already had the fans that were beginning to gravitate towards him. Uh, so when that happened, it, it just, it, it took it to the next step. Reigns doesn't, people just don't want to see Reigns. Yeah. But what this did is the exact opposite this just said, man, you got another opportunity, and you still lost. You spent weeks calling this guy out for being a part-timer, and you still lost. Like, this didn't elevate him. This drops him pretty significantly. And the idea of him, and this is all during the lead-up and during the vignettes and everything, where, you know, a part-timer. He's a part-timer. He's a part-timer. However, two hours earlier, the biggest pop of the night was The Undertaker, who hasn't wrestled the match in the entire year. <laughs> like, it's obvious that the fans don't necessarily care about a part-timer winning, you know, if you're going to be rally behind a part-timer like the undertaker, but then you're supposed to, you know, turn on a villainous Brock Lesnar for being a part-timer. So yeah. I think the the psychology was just shot from the onset. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with all that. And, and I thought the blood as much as it added to the match um, and, and was a pretty, uh, intense, uh, cool visual. It also felt a little de- desperate for all the reasons you said. It's just like, you know, you guys are trying too hard and, um, Roman Reigns is no Steve Austin. So, uh, yeah. Um, let's it's just not move- even Steve McMichael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, Brock still has a title. Raw's on tonight. There's all kinds of speculation. I mean, if, if Brock's leaving, what happens? Is it, is there a rematch tonight where he drops it? There's talk of, you know, Bobby Lashley coming in, that's a program that's talked about. I've wondered if it's a situation where he leaves with the title and maybe that 50-man battle, uh, Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia maybe crowns a new champion. So um, we'll see what the plan is. Uh, so let's move backwards. Uh, the Raw Tag Team Championship, The Bar versus Braun Strowman and Nicholas, uh, the most unlikely, I think. Uh, I should say on last week's podcast, I called it, I said, uh, it's going to be a young you man from you the audience named Nicholas. So I think I was the only Nicholas, one who right. called it. Um, yeah, it's funny how you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the biggest odds on that were really far away, but I somehow managed to uh, to predict it. Um, you know, this one, uh, I think sort of similar to the Undertaker situation, I think was hurt by some expectations. Um, I think the, the the live crowd got into it, you know, walking back to my car. A lot of the talk was about Nicholas and people making all kinds of jokes about him turning on Braun and all that. And I think for what it was, it, it worked just fine. But um, I think there was a little bit of a backlash um, because of expectations and all kinds of speculation. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Rey Mysterio? Is it going to be Samoa Joe? Is it going to be somebody debuting? And then when you go that route of just picking a fan from the crowd, um, it's a bit of a letdown. That said, again, the, the live crowd, at least, I think, um, was into it. Uh, it, it you know, it might have just benefited from not building it up until uh, this night. I mean, maybe if fans thought throughout that 
uh, for the last couple of weeks that it was going to be a handicap match. And then right there on the spot, he's told, no, you've got to get a partner. And then he grabs somebody from the audience. Then you didn't have that weeks of buildup and, and speculation where, um, and until this point, WrestleMania didn't have that that return that I think fans have kind of gotten used to. The return or the debut, yep. there was none of that. Uh, and then he never got any of it. So, so um, you know, kind of a cool story. You think about this kid going to school tomorrow. You know, I, as soon as it happened, I looked up on Wikipedia, and there it is in the, the Raw Tag Team Championship history. Braun Strowman and Nicholas. So he is, you know, forever. I, you know, I went to WrestleCon yesterday morning, and you see, like, these kind of obscure stars from the past. And I'm just thinking, you know, forever, this kid can go show up on the wrestling convention circuit. <laughs> with his tag team title and and maybe sign some autographs. So, uh, you know, the match was nothing. It was a Braun Strowman match. So it really is just about that angle, that gimmick. And uh, it was memorable. I think the crowd was into it. Uh, I, th- I think they were also a little disappointed that they didn't get somebody else. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, I mean, I... I, I... There was a time where I would have gotten really upset about this. I would, you know, the credibility of the tag team titles and what is this and what disrespect to Cesaro and, and Sheamus and, you, you know, I, I'm not that worked up. I'm not at, at the Jim Cornette level quite yet uh, with, you know, this, this being kind of an abomination of, an, of a match, which it was, but it was entertaining. The fans seemed to like it. I don't agree with it. Again, like you said, um, the entire idea of building up a mystery partner. I, I got myself thinking it was going to be Hulk Hogan uh, before the show. For some reason, I'm like, yes, Braun and Hulk Hogan, just for the pop it would get. Oh, no, it's Nicholas. You know, oh, <laughs> close enough, I guess, right? Um, but, but what really kind of, um, I guess, what this match, along with a few others, epitomizes this kind of running theme that I saw through WrestleMania this year that I really, it's a sign of the times, but I don't like. I don't feel kind of comfortable with it. And it just seems maybe it's this definite man uh, influence or whatever, but it just seemed like this was this very like um, woke WrestleMania, this very kind of inclusion, <laughs> this very kind of, you have like, Hey, this little kid, he's living his dream. He got to go in the ring and become a champion. And before that, Hey, Nia Jax, she's body positive and body image. And, and she may be different, but that's fine. And Finn Balor, you know, no demon at WrestleMania, but hey, he comes out with the LGBT community, and that's great, and that, which is fine. Those are all positive messages, but it just felt like they were beating us over the head with it, where it's like, all right, we get it. You, you know, you're, you're a very philanthropical, uh, philanthropic organization that's, you know, whatever. Um, this match just feel, felt very forced and felt very kind of, you know, it was a joke. I, Put it that way. It was a joke match, so there's no sense getting too riled up about it. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with the tag title tonight. I mean. Yeah, and, and whenever I, throughout the night, uh, something that maybe expected to happen that, that would have gotten a pop didn't happen, I thought, well, maybe they do it tomorrow on Raw or, or Tuesday uh, on SmackDown, because I think you could say that about a few different things. Uh, so maybe... Look, Nicholas, I, I can't imagine is going on the road with WWE. So, um, is there a situation where where Braun just drops the title tonight? Uh, does Kurt Angle tells him you got to get a different tag team partner, and then we get some kind of surprise on Raw, uh, whoever it might be, Samoa Joe. Um, I don't, I don't know who else might be now, in the mix. Here's no. the thing, though. Nicholas never passed a wellness test, you know, <laughs> so that could be their out right there. <laughs> 
I'm not sure Braun has either. <laughs> so that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so uh, going back from that, uh, what was just before that? Was that the women's? Let me pull this up. What, it was, uh, was that Nakamura and AJ? Yes, you're right. That? Okay, yeah. Um, you know, again, super high hopes, I think, for this one. And you were already around the six-hour mark when this came on. But I think the fans, you know, we talked about this. I mean, what kind of audience would they play before? And I think they were super up for it. You know, I thought Nakamura's uh, entrance in particular really got people uh, uh, excited and, and riled up, and it was fantastic. Um, and then the match started, and a good match, you know, even a very good match, uh, but but I think pretty clearly not on the high end of expectations. And it felt like right where they were sort of like kicking it into that third gear, they uh, went to the finish. Uh, so a, a, a yeah. little short, you know, I don't know, I, I imagine it was kind of in the 12 to 15 minute mark, something like that. Um, you know, not not the standard that even they've had in, in, in their match, their most famous match being in, in Wrestle Kingdom um, years ago. Maybe their only match. I'm not sure if they wrestled more than the one time. Um, but, you know, if, if those are the standards, it certainly didn't meet that. Uh, and that said, with the finish um, or, or after the finish, Nakamura turning on on AJ Styles, uh, then you kind of got it like, okay, so this this wasn't meant to be that all-out match because they're going to extend this program for a little while, which I'm more than okay with. Um, so I think pretty clearly they, they held something back. And then you also just wonder if it was a timing thing, you know, in, in as much as, um, again, they were around the six-hour-plus match and still had a, a plus mark and still had two more matches to do. So maybe um, they did get squeezed a little, uh, lost a few minutes on this match. And I think those few, those few minutes would have made the difference because, again, it just, you know, it, it never really made it to that the next level. The first few minutes was um, uh, a slow, but the kind of slow that you forgive when you're going to do a real long match that really kicks it in in that last third. Uh, but that slow portion of it ended up being, you know, maybe half the match. Uh that said, I, I love the finish with, with um, um, AJ Styles getting the, the Styles Clash out of the attempted Kinshasa. I thought it looked really great. Both guys super over. And, and it's the kind of thing that, like, you know, for all the excuses that you're going to hear about why Roman fans uh, don't like Roman Reigns, um, here in, in, you saw two guys that... And again, this isn't sort of the typical WWE live event crowd. I get that these are the hardcores that flew from all over the world. So maybe not in some ways the best gauge of who truly is over and, and who isn't. Because we talked about in the weeks leading up uh, to Mania that this kind of felt like the, the least over match because of some of the personalities. But from the live crowd reaction, you wouldn't know that because uh, the fans were just in love with both of these guys. I mean, they could do no wrong. And that's the great thing about it is that it did feel like it was kind of the least overmatched getting in, going into the show, or at least in terms of the, the main event contenders. Um, but that's why the heel turn, I think, was so effective, um, because now it gives that, that feud an extra dimension. And I think that, you know, seeing Nakamura as a heel and really kind of showing, you know, he, he's got the, the knees to faces, the concession and everything. Once he has that killer instinct developed, I think that that makes it a, a much more intriguing match. Um, so I'm looking forward to this feud really extending. So that's why, like you said, uh, I'm fine with it going a little bit short and being a little bit, you know, uh, methodical. 
for the first match at Mania because I think that this is a feud that's going to run for a while. And with, with Nakamura as a heel, I begin thinking, and this is kind of, you know, the looking ahead at the real winners and losers, you begin to think, okay, maybe um, Nakamura wins the title at Backlash or at the show in Saudi Arabia or somewhere in the near future. And, um, you know, after the requisite rematches with AJ, there's Daniel Bryan, you know, as a babyface on the SmackDown brand. Both Daniel Bryan and Nakamura have talked about how it's a dream for them to wrestle against each other. That's a, a huge match. I mean, that could be, what, SummerSlam main event or something along those lines. Uh, so I think that having Nakamura's heel opens up a lot more possibilities, um, both for Styles and Brian Danielson, and who knows, maybe even Samojo or, or some of the other guys whose style would really mesh real well with that. But uh, I'm, I'm more excited about this feud after that match than I was going into WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And another one of the kind of the traditions of, of WrestleMania or the post-WrestleMania season is the, the rematch at the next pay-per-view that is better than the WrestleMania match. And, and we've seen that lots of times over the years. So, uh, yeah, where this was maybe what you'd call, you know, a three-star, three-and-a-half-star match, I wouldn't be surprised to see them have that four-and-a-half, four-and-three-quarter star match at the next pay-per-view. And honestly, uh, Nakamura could really use one. I mean, now we are uh, about a year into his, his WWE run um, on, on the main uh, roster. And, I mean, can you tell me a great match that Nakamura has had? I mean, he, he hasn't. I mean, they, there have been some duds. There have been a lot of okay matches. What, uh, with AJ the, the Styles. And, was, what's that? The best match is Sami Zayn in NXT. In NXT, you know, right, sure, I think yeah. yeah. But but since yeah. he's, he was called up to uh, to SmackDown, there hasn't been one. I mean, there was those Jinder Mahal right. matches that really weren't much of anything, Dolph Ziggler matches. Um, so, uh, yeah, he really needs uh, to kind of prove why, why he's got the spot that he does because I think it's the kind of situation where Vince McMahon from the back could be watching and it almost reinforces you know, whatever preconceived notions there might be, you know, it, it's easy uh, if you, if you never seen Nakamura before and you strip him of uh, the entrance and all that stuff, you, you know, to be left with, uh, I don't get it. I mean, I don't see what, what the big deal is because he, you know, we just, we just haven't seen him live up to the standard. So uh, yeah, I'm willing to give him the pass for this, but he really needs to deliver and, and soon. Uh, match for this was the Raw Women's title, uh, Nia Jax beating Alexa Bliss. Uh, this was fine. I, I, I do feel this was a, kind of that spot where you start looking at your watch. You know, uh, this is where it starts kind of feeling as long as it was. Um, and uh, because of that, I was a little surprised that this went as long as it did. And this wasn't like drawn out or anything, but uh, I thought this could be just kind of a squash. And it wasn't. They had a match. And it was a fine match, you know, for, for, for what... I think those two are capable of. Uh, it was fine. It had, you know, I thought it, it told a fine story about, um, uh, you know, you talk, you, you touched on it, sort of some of the the intolerance of of, of uh, some people because of their appearance, uh, that kind of thing. And I thought the the motion that Nia Jax showed at the end was sincere and 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 all that. Um, so it was fine. Again, in terms of, of expectations, I, I half expected that Carmella would cash in here. Everybody kind of expecting her to cash in on the uh, the SmackDown side with Charlotte. I wondered if the the kind of the curveball would be having her cash in on the Raw side. Um, if 
you know, maybe a, a post, uh, a win beat down by um, Alexa and Mickey James, and then she comes in. And uh, since I, I think they're going to be moving some people around anyway, maybe that makes sense. Maybe that happens tonight on Raw. Maybe it happens, I don't know when, um, or it doesn't happen at all. But, you know, for what it was, not what it could have been, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's I don't fine. Know I, I, it was um, it was okay. Um, you know, I, I I'm just not sold on on Naya and 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 whatever. I, I mean, I don't. This again, the psychology is just kind of weird. And I know it's the story they're trying to tell. You know, she's been bullied and whatever else. But you know, you, you can't have you can't have a a woman or a man in any case, but one wrestler who who's literally twice the size of the other one, and the bigger one is like the underdog baby face. It's like, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, okay, we're, we're really supposed to back this 260 pound woman who's, you know, against a 98 pound girl, five one. It, it's just like, it was just all backwards. Now, if Mickey wasn't taken out in the beginning and she was interfering throughout the match and whatever, or, or they did an injury angle where they were really kind of working her knee and now she's down and something like that. They, they, I mean, they, they tried to a little bit, but they didn't really make it a, a focal point of the match. Um, it was just, again, it, it was that, like that, that woke thing, that, that whole idea of, you know, it, it just felt more to me like a, a preachy moment rather than a wrestling match. And, uh, I just, and besides, I just, personally, I think Naya, I think her offense looks terrible. I, I don't think she's ready. I, I don't think she's polished enough to be on the main roster. Um, but you know, it, it told the story that they wanted to tell and, uh, the less said about it, the better, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> One thing to point out, I guess, in terms of our experiences, is you had commentary. So I think maybe some of uh, those points that were is driven true. more home that to you. That is true. Yeah. Uh, and there are definitely some matches uh, that benefit from not having commentary. So uh, maybe this, this actually played better in some other matches. So it played better before the live crowd because they didn't have some of that messaging kind of shoved down their throats. And I think that the commentary was particularly bad this year. It just very much seemed like it was, uh, this is one where it seemed particularly egregious to me. Um, during uh, the Nakamura heel turn, um, he crotches AJ Styles, maybe Corey Graves or somebody, oh my God, you know, like, you know, selling the, the, the heel turn. And then complete silence through the entire beatdown, through the Kinsasha on the outside until he left. So no commentary for six minutes just yeah. for no reason. Right. And then they come back to the, the announcers. I think it was Corey Graves again saying, I am in stunned silence. Like, well, you, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> if you're in stunned silence, you don't actually come out and say I'm in stunned silence. <laughs> and it just a little bit like that. Like the, the announcing was very repetitive. It, 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 they paused a lot. And all I'm thinking is like, not Vince is in the rear right now uh, telling him what to say. And then after a long pause, you would get, you know, the typical catchphrase, like this is the story we're putting over in this match. It, it was very, um, it, it didn't have any kind of organic feel to it. It just felt very prepackaged and, you know, yeah. it could take you out of the matches. Yeah. Uh, so before that, we had uh, the uh, Daniel Bryan's return in the tag team title match. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon beating Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, I, Again, I don't want to say a disappointment um, because I, I 
if you see everything that was in play here, your expectations maybe shouldn't have been that high. On one hand, Shane McMahon, and not just a typical Shane McMahon, but Shane McMahon who was dealing with some serious health issues, and then Daniel Bryan that's been out of the ring for, for three years. So, And that's what it felt like, you know, in terms of the payoff. Um, it felt like a match that was maybe hamstrung by uh, physical limitations of some of the wrestlers. Uh, so, um, you know, not a great match. Uh, but that said, the the... Uh, attraction of this match, the appeal was just seeing Daniel Bryan for the first time in three years, and so you almost couldn't go wrong as long as he did kind of the big signature spots, the kicks, and and you know yes yes yes, and the fans got that. Uh, I thought the the whole package at the beginning, showing how big the yes 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 movement uh, has become around the world, was really cool, and um, the fans were just they became unglued when when uh, Daniel Bryan came out, so. Uh, just from that, I thought this was fine. The match itself, meh. I mean, it, there wasn't much to it. Yeah, you're right. It, there wasn't much to the match itself. It was just very... Well, to me, I think, uh, again, it goes back to what I was saying, talking about in the lead-up, and I've said before, it was just too much man. I mean, here you have uh, Shane with the diverticulitis and the... Uh, uh, what was it? The... Injury, I'm blanking on the name for it. Uh, but in any case, Shane being injured, yeah. the hernia, that's it, mm-hmm. the hernia. But he comes back, and still, part-time Shane, 46-year-old man with the hernia, is able to beat up Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at will for the entire match. And yeah. it's just kind of like, I mean, in those, like, and you brought it up before, those ridiculous Shane Bryan punches, or uh, uh, Shane McMahon punches. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that you want to build to uh, Daniel Bryan making the return, so you have Shane, you know, uh, take the heat for a lot of the match to kind of build to that moment, but he wasn't ready to. Uh, I thought that Sammy and Daniel Bryan worked really well together, but it was uh, just not a great match and never really hit a real flow to it. It was a lot of, you know, injury on Shane, injury on Daniel Bryan, and find a way to kind of tell a story around that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of dragged uh, at points because there was so much selling from the baby faces. Yeah, um, and and this came after seeing Stephanie hold her own with uh, you know maybe the greatest exactly. MMA fighter of all time um, uh, just a few uh, matches earlier. So yeah, I think at some point you just have to sort of accept that in the the universe that they've created, the McMahons have superpowers. Um, and and if you accept that, it's like the show has become easier to watch. But yeah, I guess it's like somewhere along the way, Shane McMahon just became like a real wrestler and a real threat. Uh, and and so yeah, it's like you've got an injured Shane McMahon um, holding his own in two on one, uh, two on one beat down from two like elite world class wrestlers over several minutes, just getting beat up and kicking out. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yep. Um, but well, and even getting beaten up and kicking out is one thing, but he really dominated them offensively for a lot of that time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> um, Usos versus New Day. Uh, well, right before this was the, um, the the Hall of Fame presentation, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there was uh, the Hall of Fame presentation, and before that was John Cena and the Undertaker. So let's talk about this. Um, uh, you know, we texted a little bit right after the show, and, and you talked about this as kind of the turning point for for the worst, where maybe. This show felt like a little bit like it, it kind of got off the rails. And um, 
it it did clear up some stuff, right? So right up until this moment, um, I was wondering why did they promote this match this way if they were going to do it? Uh, and at the end of this, I was like, okay, because they really weren't going to do it, and and that's just it. Uh, so it's pretty clear that the whole reason for not quite committing to this match, even if they, they did plan to do it, was because they were never really going to pay it off with a full-fledged match. So they maybe wanted kind of, you know, dampen expectations. So when it happens at all, and The Undertaker appears at all, that's the payoff, that the match, that the match ever happened, that the bell ever rang, is the payoff, never mind what the match actually looks like. Um, so... Uh, I, I mean, to say that this was unconventional um, would be an understatement. And uh, I hated the build all along the way for the last few weeks and hated it right up until the, the match started, uh, the stuff with uh, Elias and, uh, uh, you know, that just dragged the actually having uh, a John Cena there at ringside. And I spent much of like the first half hour, hour, hour in my seats just looking at John Cena through my binoculars, I'm like, wow, he's really just sitting there watching this show. Uh, so, I mean, as a, as elaborate uh, a setup as you could possibly have um, for something, I thought the the payoff of the, uh, the, the hat and the coat appearing in, in the ring, that was really neat. Um, that was pretty cool. Not cool enough to uh, make up for, again, weeks and weeks and weeks of this wacky way of telling the story. Uh, and then you see Undertaker come out, and they, you know, it's a squash. It, it's a four-minute squash where even in those four minutes, um, some of Undertaker's offense did not look very good. Um, physically, cosmetically, he looked fine, but pretty clearly the guy can't take a bump uh, at all, uh, I imagine. So he didn't. Um, you know, with another opponent, uh, I think you could excuse it. You know, let's say the match was Undertaker and Elias, uh, and this was a four-minute squash of Elias. I think that would be fine. But this match is, is, you know, in in the annals of matches that had been talked about and speculated for WrestleMania, this is right near the top in terms of yeah. uh, fans wanting to see you know, or fantasizing about what this could look like, two of, of the biggest stars in the history of WrestleMania finally locking up, both with this track record of incredible epic matches at WrestleMania, and it was a four-minute squash. And uh, so to say the least, that was a letdown. You know, I get the idea that just to say you did it, uh, to say that this match happened on this stage, um, I get it, but... If this was what it was going to look like, I really don't know that it was worth it. You know, I mean, I, um, so is this the Undertaker's last match? Now, there was nothing well in this match to suggest that it was. Uh, so, you know, in, in some fans could now speculate next year, you know, short of Undertaker officially saying, and even then, I, I don't know if they would believe him, um, that he's retired. This was, uh, I don't know, I'm not... I, I guess I could see it both ways. Uh, the Undertaker should go out on top. I mean, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but this was just so crummy and, and just nothing to it that um, I, I'd almost would have rather left it how it was if this is what we were going to get. And the other part of it, just, just real quick, John Cena's got to win a match already. I mean, this is, for let's not uh, mistake it, this is still WWE's top star. 
um, by by every measure, uh, the merchandise, fan interests, box office, uh, and also right in the top mix in terms of uh, uh, working ability. I mean, this guy is is still in in less so than a few years ago, but is still in a small group of wrestlers that you can count on to have elite world class uh, matches against a variety of opponents, and they are just beating him and beating him and beating him month after month after month after month. And you can look at that and say, oh, that's selfless. You know, you're using him to, to get over the new generation. But at some point, you got to protect your top asset. And um, uh, assuming that one day he gets that 17th world title, uh, you got to kind of start looking after John Cena. I mean, I don't think he's the kind of guy you feed to Undertaker in, in a four-minute squash. Agreed. I don't think that there was anything. Well, in the commentary, they were really putting over that the Undertaker is back. They made it almost sound like it was a full-time return. Like, expect him to be on Raw, expect him to be or on SmackDown, whatever. Um, they were saying how, uh, you know, the Undertaker was gone, but he's resurrected now. But which Undertaker is it? Is it the one that we saw last year who was kind of, you know, hobbled and, and decrepit? Or is this an earlier incarnation of the Undertaker? And I mean, just whatever, like, so, but the, the commentary really put it over, like the undertaker is back. And I think that this might be the step towards maybe, you know, if he shows up on raw, what, maybe he shows up on raw and, and wins the, the world, the, the universal title tonight. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily make any sense, but it would be a good reaction. It would be something. I don't know. If, if he uh, didn't have any no, physical uh, uh, restraints and actually can go, it makes this even more puzzling that you would do this. I mean, the, right? The, true. Uh, I, my takeaway was here's a guy who can't take a bump anymore, so this is you know the smoke and mirrors way of getting through this match. But if he goes out tonight or or next month and works like a seventeen twenty minute match, um, this is even less excusable. Yeah, there's. I don't understand why they did it this way. I don't understand why you took away such a great marquee matchup, and and you know just for the like you said the, the sake of saying that you did it. Well, you know it, it's not worth doing, and it didn't sell any extra tickets because it wasn't promoted properly. It, it was a disappointment. All it was is you know I guess the fans in the building got to see the Undertaker, or you know, the fans watching at home got to see the Undertaker, quote unquote, one more time. Um, but it's a shell of himself, and it, it, the match was nothing. It was completely forgettable. So, uh, yeah, uh, and that's why I said it felt like it really kind of interrupted the show. Yeah. The first few matches were really, really on fire. And then this match, with the novel buildup and everything else, and you're expecting something, and it's just like this forever long Undertaker entrance, and he wins, and that's it. And that's, you know, that's the last we see of Undertaker and John Cena for the rest of the night. So. Yeah. It, yeah. it really kind of uh, interrupted the show for me. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, again, this was one of those sort of dream matches. And um, it was a disappointment. And, and you don't get to do it again. I mean, they could go back and book it again next year. But this will always be the first Undertaker-John Cena match at WrestleMania. And it was a dud. Um, before this was the SmackDown Tag Team Titles three-way. Not a lot to say about this. It was short. Bludgeon Brothers um, won. Not quite a squash, but I think a dominant performance. I don't have a problem with that. That's kind of the way they're building Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, so I thought this was fine. Yeah, it was uh, not a lot to it at all. It, it's funny, though, how, uh, well, especially the Usos finally getting their, their main card WrestleMania appearance, and they might have hit three or four moves before the, the finish. 
But the New Day, you know, the most overacts, one of the most overacts over the past three or four years, I mean, it's like they weren't even in that match. Yeah. You know, it was just very, you know, completely forgettable. Yeah. yeah the most memorable the part was the, yeah, the dwarfs with the, right. uh, the, the, the uh, pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go right to the match before that. Uh, probably, I think, the match of the night, um, most people seem to agree with that. And who would have called that? Um, Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle beating Triple H and Stephanie McMahon in a hell of a fun match. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine <laughs> it could have gotten any better than this. Uh, f- fans were totally into it. Ronda looked good. I thought it was um, laid out perfectly. You know, this deserves some kind of award just for choreography. I don't know. This felt like kind of the, the that Pat Patterson classic laid out match. Um, smoke and mirrors in, set, in the sense of a lot of spots uh, intended to kind of make your jaw drop, uh, but but not in terms of like weapons or outside interference. Some of the kind of stuff I, I thought we'd see with Ronda, her not really being ready. Um, it was a wrestling match, you know. Everybody worked and uh, just phenomenal. I mean, again, couldn't have gone any better. Fans were on their feet, loving every minute. I thought the finish was good. Um, the interaction with. Ronda and Stephanie with Ronda and Triple H. Ronda getting Triple H on her back and picking them up. Um, just really, really uh, great stuff beginning to end. Uh, you know, again, couldn't have gone uh, any better. And the the, uh, the McMahons get to say two years in a row. At least they had the best match at, at WrestleMania. And and it, it feels a little bit like the surprise last year of AJ Styles and Shane McMahon on kind of a weak WrestleMania. They had probably the best match. And here you go, Stephanie McMahon of all people, you know, having the best match on a pretty loaded WrestleMania. Um, but I just, I just love this. Let me ask you a, a one question before you get your thoughts on it. Were you uneasy about some of the? And I'm surprised they did it in, in part because what what you referenced about this being kind of a woke WrestleMania, and maybe there's there's more than one one way of looking at maybe this goes to that, but the the physical interaction between men and women, Triple H and Ronda having some spots together, Triple H, um, uh, I think threw her right at some point and, and, you know, squared up to, to fight her. Um, Kurt getting the ankle lock on, on Stephanie, this kind of stuff that I wouldn't have been surprised at all to see 15 years ago. But in 2018, I was really surprised that they'd have them even touch each other, the, the men and the women. Yeah, and I felt a little uncomfortable about that too. It just didn't seem right, especially for for Kurt as the, the baby face to put the ankle lock on Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the evil heel, and in a bygone era, you know, Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior would spank a Sensational Sherry or right. something, which again, not exactly the most woke thing to do, but like it was, it was that was something that they did where like the evil woman, you would never hit a woman, but well, you know, you could you could you know humiliate her by bending her over her knee and giving her a spanking or something. That was acceptable at the time. Um, it, it, it's I'm, obviously it's not acceptable now, but at least it was some comedy. Whereas this is like, all right, I'm going to tap this woman by like putting her in a very dangerous hold. You know, it's, it's still, it, it, I, I mean, I, I understand why they did it, uh, especially because you're going to have, you want to have that moment of Rhonda uh, squaring off with triple H, you know, and, and kind of get that for mainstream publicity or whatever. So if they're going to square off, you kind of have to have Kurt and Stephanie interact somehow. So, uh, what, what killed me about the match, and it, I loved it. It was a great match, um, and for good reason. I mean, Triple H has been around forever. He knows what he's doing. Kurt Angle is one of the all-time greatest. 
Rhonda, I've been very high on, uh, and I knew that she had been taking this seriously and putting in a lot of time and effort in this. Um, and Stephanie is enough of a heel to, you know, run interference and do stuff that, that gets heat without having to actually wrestle, you know? And, and so it all worked out. Um, what I thought, my criticism is I thought it went too long. I thought it went four or five minutes too long. At the end, it began to feel to me a little bit like it was dragging. Uh, Steph blocking, repeatedly blocking the arm bars and everything else really drove me nuts too because, yeah. again, Stephanie is a 40-something-year-old, 42, 41, whatever, four-year-old mom executive who's not a, a wrestler. And here you have the debut of this woman who has the UFC background, can be your top – but, like, somehow Steph is managing to, like, successfully defend against her. Yeah, like, to do what, on, what like, Misha Tate couldn't do. And, and exactly. you know, yeah. world, world-class so, MMA fighters couldn't stop that arm bar, but somehow <laughs> Stephanie could. Uh, and she is like, oh, yeah, Kurt Angle, the, the Hall of Famer, he's put me in the ankle lock. No, I'm not going to tap it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and every time it happened, the longer that match went, I'm just thinking the longer it goes, the more it's going to hurt Ronda Rousey's viability long term. Um, as it turned out, I think that the finish was strong enough to make up for it when, when she finally did kind of get that arm bar on, Steph immediately tapped and they sold it like she broke her arm. That, that's fine. But I think that should have happened four or five minutes earlier. And having Steph repeatedly counter and block the armbar, uh, it was cringeworthy to me. Um, but again, I guess it's kind of nitpicking. Overall, it was a fantastic match. I thought it was really good. And I think that Ronda came out of it like a legitimate superstar. So I think, you know, Charlotte versus Ronda now is, is the big marquee match. Uh, I really want to see uh, Asuka against Ronda Rousey, but um, you know I think that WWE's women, the Raw side, the, the women's uh, division uh, scene is is loaded, especially with Shayna Baszler winning the NXT yeah. title too. So it's uh, you know the two of the original four horse women are, uh, are are well are having success in WWE. I don't want to get ahead of myself and say they're both titleists, yeah. but I think Ronda's going to win that belt pretty quickly. So do you think they go right into a major program like that? Because I still don't know that she's ready. And she looks fine here, but it's a, a different kind of match when it's a very gimmicky match, a tag team match with the McMahon. Everything is very carefully laid out versus working um, a, a full-fledged singles program with an Asuka, with a Charlotte. I, I still like to see them bringing her along a little slowly. I, I mean, I don't know who, you know, maybe an Alexa Bliss, something like that, where um, it's driven more by the personalities and uh, maybe the expectations of what the actual ring work would be um, wouldn't be so high. You, you give her, um, or, or a Mickey James, who's a real pro, who can, can help get her some experience. Um, I don't know that I jump right into, like, that title picture. Um, so... But but I wouldn't mind it, you know, and, and she looked great. I mean, I, I think you couldn't have asked for more out of her or, or out of this match. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right, I know you're pressed for time here a little bit, so let's let's more quickly get through these last few matches. Uh, before this, uh, was that the U.S. title match before this? Uh, yes. I believe it was. Right, Jenner Mahal went a four-way with Randy Orton, um, Bobby Roode, and Rusev. Not a lot to it. Um, maybe, was this the worst match on the show? I don't think so. No, I don't think it's the worst match on the show. It was the worst match up until that point, um, and just not a lot to it. So, 
shortish, um, you know, I think coming off of the, the three-way for the IC belt, this little bit of let down because that, that three-way uh, was so good. This four-way, which is kind of SmackDown's uh, equivalent to that Raw match, um, it just it wasn't nearly as good and not a lot to it. And, uh, you know, when you've got Ginger in, in a featured spot, it's not that surprised, that, that much of a surprise that uh, it doesn't do too well. Yeah, not a lot to say about this. Yeah, very flat match, very just kind of there. Uh, it was really a waste to a few of the people. I mean, it, it's a shame that that was Bobby Roode's WrestleMania debut, and and uh, it really shows how far off Orton is has fallen. Yeah. Um, but I he's mean, the kind he's of guy that they could the resuscitate at any time, you know, if if they want to. So you see this with Orton and Zerda, the kind of the up years and the down years. So if if they wanted to. A few months from now, they could pop him right back in the world title picture. Uh, so it's just kind of an off year. With, with Orton, after that loss to Lesnar, where, again, the referee stoppage at SummerSlam uh, because of the blood loss, I don't think he ever really got his heat back. Uh, yeah. I think that he's been, he, he, he was so emasculated in that match. I know he's had a world title run since then. But to me, like he, he just really, that, that knocked him down a level, and he's never quite been able to recover. Well, they and haven't I given him the that opponents. That might be the same thing. You know, it's got. They haven't given him the opponents to work with either. He moved into a feud with Bray Wyatt, which is, you know, honestly, is death for for any wrestler. Uh, and then Jinder Mahal yeah. for a while. So, um, you know, I do think that the right guy, a, a program with a, an AJ Styles or something like that, I do think he could deliver. But um, he seems to be in kind of that gatekeeper role, more helping kind of get over guys, work with with the younger generation of guys. Uh, but kind of like Cena, I could see them you know, on a dime, just turning and, and putting the heat back on him and, and get him up and running. So, uh, but yeah, an off year for him. Uh, before this Agreed. was, oh, great match. Charlotte versus Asuka probably deserves uh, some time. I thought this was fantastic. And um, I didn't have the highest hopes because I, as we talked about, I thought that the hype for this was not what it could be. But when it came to the ring, it felt like a big match, which I was, a little surprised because in the hype, I didn't feel like they were really building it like a big match. But um, uh, I thought the entrances, the, the real classy entrance that Charlotte had with her dad's music, all that, fantastic. It had a, a, a big feel match and super delivered. I, I thought uh, a, a wonderfully told uh, wrestling story. I have no problem with Charlotte ending the streak. Uh, you know, if it had to happen, I think this was uh, the time, the place, and the circumstances, and the person. Uh, to do it, so uh, I thought this was fantastic. Agreed. I, I thought that this and the Ronda Rousey match were the two clear matches of the night. The Intercontinental Title match may be coming, you know, uh, in the next level there. Um, again, I, I was pulling for Asuka. I've known her for a long time. I knew her from the old Shimmer days and everything, and it was just amazing seeing somebody who you you watched come up through the the Berwyn Eagles Club in front of 240 people going to WrestleMania and, and being that huge star that Asuka's become. Um, I, I was a, you know I really kind of wanted to see her win the match, but I mean either way it was a terrific match. They both did really well. Um, the finish was really nice. It was kind of surprising. Uh, the 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 ending came really kind of out of nowhere. I, I thought Asuka would definitely get out of the figure eight. Um, but no, and the story being told with, uh, Charlotte's arm being injured and she was able to bridge out of, into a figure eight, but had to like lift up her left shoulder because she couldn't put weight on it and, and still managed to get the submission victory. 
uh, it was really well done and it was a fantastic match. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I wish the other person won, but I, I hope there's a rematch at backlash. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to end the streak, I mean, I like that it wasn't a fluky pin or, or anything else. I mean, her tapping is as decisive as it gets and really got Charlotte over. And, and when you talk about, I mean, similar to, uh, I think John Cena, um, some folks that maybe derailed a little, a little and, and Charlotte was still winning matches. And, uh, but I feel like it's been a while since you saw her in the kind of match that really showcased how good she is. Um, and that's in part because she's, hasn't had the opponents to work with on SmackDown, uh, you know, and and Ruby Riot and, and Addy, they're all fine, but there's not the gravitas of, of like a match with an Asuka. So on a big stage, I think this helped get her over as, uh, you know, the elite performer among the women. Um, and I think that's what they want. If you see the WrestleMania posters here in New Orleans, um, that that have everybody. It's always kind of interesting seeing the politics of WWE. Who's in the back, small? Who's front and center? And front and center, the the biggest ones I think were uh, Lesnar, Reigns, I think, and Charlotte. Charlotte were very much at, so so. That's that's their woman, um, and I think that's fine. So uh, yeah, I, I think I think this was perfect. Um, and then the the opening match, the three way Intercontinental Title match, which we've already talked about a little bit. Um, just a whole lot of fun, you know. Maybe the the best first hour for WrestleMania that I can remember, and and because of the, you know these matches in succession all being so good, you really felt like wow, this might you know be on pace to being one of the great WrestleManias of all time. And it was a very good WrestleMania, um, and and this was about as perfect an opener um, as as you could have. Yeah, just great energy. It was really good mm-hmm. to see Miz kind of uh, get rid of the Miz trash for the match and go out there and face it himself. Uh, told a nice little story that way. Seth Rollins looked amazing. Uh, Baylor, uh, he didn't do a lot in the match, but you know, it was it was a fast paced match. There was a lot going on, and it was a great kickoff match. Um, yeah. And everybody, everybody came out of it looking good. Again, Miz, even though he lost the title, uh, and especially again, the the commentators um, were really putting him over. As you know, here he is. He's he's turned over a new lease since the birth of his daughter, and he wants to win honorably and everything else. Um, and I thought that that came through pretty well. And uh, it was just you know as good of an opening match for WrestleMania as you could hope to have. Yeah, it felt like three guys with something to prove, maybe a chip on their shoulder, being in this opening spot, um, n- not having been pushed over the last year maybe to to uh, their potential um, and kind of, you know, competing for a secondary title. And the current jerker really wanted to go out there and show something, uh, and they did. And, and I thought it was a terrific uh, opener. Uh, quickly, the, the pre-show matches, the, there was the uh, the women's battle royal. Not a lot to it, as, as I think we expected. It it was more about the story continuing to be told uh, about Bailey and Sasha Banks. Naomi sneaks sneaks back in, eliminates Bailey. Uh, those being the last three, uh, and Naomi wins. They seem to really like Naomi. I mean, this is uh, two years in a row where she kind of won this WrestleMania showcase, uh, so they seem to be pretty uh, high on her. I don't know. You know, still not a lot of clarity. I think about which one of the two is turning heel, Bailey or, or Sasha. Bailey eliminated Sasha, but hey, it's a it's about a royal. I mean, that, that's fine. Um, but in terms of a match, not a whole lot to it. No, and especially on television, because this was on part of the pre-show. It was on the USA Network, and they were running just a ton of commercials throughout the pre-show, right? And 
they uh, they began the match. It started with uh, Carmella being thrown out and a couple other girls. They go to a commercial. They come back from the commercial, and there's like I think four women left in the oh, ring. I didn't know that one. So you missed all of the eliminations. I and didn't miss then much. when, well, <laughs> fair enough. But then when it did come down to Sasha and Bailey, um, Bailey throws Sasha out, and everybody's celebrating. And all of a sudden, Naomi's in the ring. Her elimination was never shown on TV. No, they just had to say, "Oh, she must have been thrown out of the ring," but uh, no, not over the top rope. Um, that's uh, funny because I was going to look to to you for clarity because from where we were watching, I thought she got eliminated. I mean, I think she went over with one yeah. with somebody else, so I'm not sure what happened there. And, and that could explain why there was no replay, right? There's no replay on the broadcast; it just kind of happens. Uh, she like appeared from off camera. So like, you know, the camera's on Bailey celebrating and I'm watching this with my six-year-old nephew and he's a Bailey fan, so he's happy. And all of a sudden there's Naomi throws her out and she wins. And he's like, um, can she just do that? Like, just, I'm like, yeah. I guess she can. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that it, and that's the thing for all the bells and whistles. If you're going to do a pre-show and, and really try to apparently get people to get last minute buys and say, Hey, watch WrestleMania. Then, then don't spend the whole thing going to commercials and, and miss the matches. It's, you know, it's, it's enraging, but yeah, uh, yeah it, the, the way it was presented made me kind of really miss the, the match and, and made what should have been a special kind of WrestleMania moment in terms of the first women's battle Royal. Uh, it, it, it really kind of uh, ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the crowd energy was good. If, if nothing else, I think the fans enjoyed it. Um, before this was the, uh, the Cruiserweight title match. Um, Cedric Alexander beating Mustafa Ali. Uh, not a, a, a great match, but kind of an athletic showcase. And I think a feel-good match uh, just to see these guys in that spot. I mean, I think back to that uh, match that Cedric had on the Cruiserweight Classic where Triple H ended up coming out and offering him the contract because he looked so good. And I do think there's a lot there. I mean, um, I think there's a natural charisma to, to Cedric. And to Mustafa as well, who's kind of flown under the radar um, a little bit, but... Uh, you know, some of his offense in, in front of that, that crowd. I think the crowd really enjoyed seeing some of what he could do. I thought he had a really cool entrance with that whole uh, a mask get up. Um, so it was, uh, I thought, a, a fine showcase of what they're doing on, on 205 Live. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's, it's cruiserweight wrestling, but it's not necessarily the high-flying, death-defying style that we're used to from the cruiserweights. I mean, there was some of that. There's some suicide dives. There's a really cool uh, Spanish fly, I think, by Ali. Um, but for the most part, it's more of a map-based style, a little bit more storytelling, and uh, a little bit more methodical and, and safer, I think. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was, uh, like you said, a fine kind of introduction to this is what they do on 205 Live, and uh, the two guys did an admirable job. You know, yeah. they, they weren't supposed to go out there and steal the show. They were supposed to go out there and set the pace, and I think they did that really well. Yeah. And then the uh, first match of the night, uh, and it's worth pointing out, uh, I, we had some, some issues that made us run a little later than, than uh, I had hoped to get into the building, uh, but I got in just as the music started for, for the entrances, so nailed it perfectly to get to my seats, so um, just got you, to see you this. You beat me because, yeah, I, I missed it. Um, I oh, tuned really? into the pre-show at five, and it was all, I mean... You can only listen to so much uh, Sam Roberts, right? <laughs> so I just figured, okay, well, they go live on the USA Network at six. I'll, you know, I'll just tune in at six, and I thought that's when it was beginning, and it 
this this match happened beforehand. Yeah. So as we're at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night uh, on the eastern coast, eastern time. Uh, I'm still thinking, you know, when are they? When are they having this battle royal? <laughs> and it wasn't before, right before the main event that they revealed that Matt Hardy had won it, you know, five hours earlier. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, and you know, pretty standard battle royal. I don't think there are any surprises in terms of who was in it. You know, sometimes you see some returns, and and you know, from my vantage point, it, it's easy to to miss guys too. So so I might need to take a second look at this match uh, also. But um, you know, I think it came down to uh, Matt. And uh, the winners of the last couple of years, Baron Corbin and Mojo Rawley, um, the lights go out, Bray Wyatt comes into the ring, but was never officially in the Battle Royal. I think that confused people a little bit. Um, he helps out Matt, and basically Matt wins, and uh, they hug, they pose together, so it looks like now Bray and, and Matt are a team. So um, I, I got a good reaction from the crowd, if nothing else, and I think fans were happy to see Matt win because he's got his following. So uh, I thought that was smart in front of 75,000 fans, everybody doing the delete. Um, so that worked out fine. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. You know, again, now now thinking about how we talked about this whole show, this match, just okay. This match, not so great. This match, you might get the impression that this was not a good WrestleMania. But again, in its totality. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, here's the thing. We're, we're doing a podcast on wrestling. We're, we have to have opinions. We have to kind of nitpick a little bit here and there. Overall, I thought it was a great show. Uh, no serious injuries other than potentially Roman Reigns, depending on whether or not he needs stitches, um, which is always good. You know, capacity crowd, um, a lot. You know, there's something for everyone. And a couple of potential match of the years, which there really hasn't been for the past couple of WrestleManias. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was good. I, there's again, Nicholas is your tag team champion. <laughs> the, the Roman Reigns debacle, the beach balls, uh, some of the other stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was a little much, but overall, I, I definitely have to give this passing marks again and, and consider this a, a very solid and good WrestleMania. And I should say, uh, uh, being here in New Orleans now for a few days, I totally get why they came back to this city. Um, this is now my, I think, 11th WrestleMania. And it's been a few years since I've, I've gone to one. And every year, to, to some extent, WWE kind of takes over the city. And some cities embrace it more um, than, than others. But from when I landed at the airport, and the airport is all decked out with WrestleMania stuff, um, this city is really, really into it. I mean, I, I can see them wanting to keep on coming back here. Uh, they, they really embrace WrestleMania, embrace WrestleMania. And just in every corner of the city, everywhere you go, just loaded with wrestling fans. It's uh, been a fun few days. I got to do uh, TakeOver, uh, did Access with my kids, and I, I used to do Access uh, a lot back in the, the days. By far the best they've ever done. I mean, there were so much cool stuff to do um, for, for kids and stuff. A lot of interactive stuff. Really well organized. Um, you know, the lines moving pretty quickly all throughout a huge superstore with, with merchandise set up at the convention center all week long. Um, and then there's you know, all the other stuff with, with, with every wrestling promoter and, and, and wrestler kind of converging on, on the city at the epicenter. Uh, it's really, I, 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 one thing I wish I, I did get a chance to do is take in some of these indie shows. Um, I did, and I did get to go to WrestleCon yesterday for a little while and it was fun seeing tons of faces from the past. 
Uh, and the, the one person I marked out more than anybody was Sean Mooney. He was the one guy I, I had to go up to. I was like, oh, wow, Sean Mooney. I'm very excited uh, over that. But uh, just, a, I mean, these past few days could not have gone any better. So I'm uh, really glad I made it out here. That's terrific. It's great to hear. It, I mean, for anyone who's listening to the podcast, um, to a WrestleMania, know it to yourself because not just the, like you said, that entire experience going all have been taken over by WWE, yeah. plus all the indies that are going on. Yeah. It's, it's just an amazing time. So it's I'm not cheap. It. You know, it can make for a very expensive weekend, um, but yeah, once in your life, you should, <laughs> if you're a fan, you should totally do this. It's, it's uh, a great, great time. All right, Dan, thank you and so much. Fan, you <laughs> yeah. Dan, thanks so much. Uh, always fun talking WrestleMania with you, and I'm sure we're going to be talking uh, more about it in the coming weeks. Uh, thanks for taking the time, um, and uh, we'll see everybody soon.